But the reality is, is they, they're fearful. They're fearful. We have some opportunities at this particular point to shine bright for Jesus. We have an opportunity to show them who we belong to and why we don't have to walk in fear. Amen? Right? We have that opportunity to do that. And so one of the things we're going to do is I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer and just have you guys uh, pray as well as we're praying. Just kind of seek God in that. Um, but here's the, here are the four areas that we're going to pray for. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our, ve- our president and vice president. We're going to pray for local leaders that are trying to speak into how to stop the spread here. And we're also going to pray for health officials. So we're going to pray for leaders in that area. The second thing we're going to do is just ask God. God. God, hears our prayers. God, would you stop this? Right? Would you stop the disease? Would you, would you end that? Would you heal those that are sick? The third one is, is God help us trust you? And the fourth one is, is how can we show the world that we trust the Lord? How can we use this as an opportunity to share the gospel? We live in one of the most unchurched areas in all the country. This is an opportunity for them to see the church jump in and love their neighbor. It's a good opportunity for them to see the church say, hey, we, we trust in you, Lord, and we're going to show others around us that. It's funny because a lot of things change. Like Thursday morning, a lot of things just change. I sent a prayer request into our prayer focus into May, and here's what it says. When we find ourselves in unfamiliar, uncomfortable, or sometimes terrifying circumstance, we can seek, pray to, follow, and trust in him. Psalm 56.3 says this, when I am afraid... I will put my trust in you. And so whether or not we are fearful at this point, there are plenty of people out there that are fearful and buying up all the toilet paper. Amen? So church, what I'm getting at is this. This is an opportunity for us to shine as a church and not for us to shine for our purpose, but to point people to Jesus. Amen? And so let's pray for that. I'm going to pray through this. Join me in, in praying uh, silently to God. And so let's, let's spend some time in prayer. Father, we love you. And God, we know that you are good. We know that, that you are in control. We know that you know what's going on. And this disease did not catch you by surprise like any other thing has gone, that has gone through our world. But God, you have allowed people to be in positions of authority for purpose. And so, Father God, we pray, Lord, for President Trump and Vice President Pence and others that are making decisions at high levels. God, we pray for our mayor locally. We pray for our governor. We pray for those that are making decisions uh, to, to help us keep safe. God, we lift up those that are in the, in the healthcare industry, those that are trying to find a way to, to stop or slow down this, uh, this virus. And God, we, we've, got, we've got nurses and medical professionals in our church. God, we're grateful for them. And God, we know that they're being overworked and overwhelmed right now. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that we uh, would just continue to lift them up to you, give them strength, give them endurance. God, we pray, Lord, that you'd keep them safe and healthy. God, we also uh, come to you and pray. We just ask you, God, you're in control of all of this. We pray, Lord, that you would stop this. We pray, God, that you would just put an end to the disease, put an end to the spread. Uh, whether that's through social distancing or whatever our leaders are asking us to do or, or, or some other way, maybe you... You've got a, a cure out there, but God, we just pray, Lord, in your sovereignty and in your control that you would just put an end to the disease. And God, we also pray, Lord, that us as followers of Christ, we're going to talk about this a little bit today, God, but we pray, Lord, that we would trust you, that we would know that you're bigger than all this. You rescued us out of the pits of hell. We can trust you to, to keep us safe and to provide for us during this time. And so, God, as your people, as, as people of God, as followers of Christ, we pray, Lord, that we would show that in our lives, that we don't need to fear we can trust in you. And God, I just pray for our church. I pray for, for opportunities that I have, that others in our church have. There are people listening online. God, we, we, we pray, Lord, that, that people would, 
would see in us you. That they would see a light shining through us and at a time where there are questions and there's fears and there's scary times, there's just things where people are just, it's just uncomfortable, it's just unusual circumstances. God, we pray, Lord, that they would see us as followers of Christ, they would see us love one another, and they would see us love our neighbor as ourselves. God, help us do a good job of taking care of those in our church. Help us do a good job of praying for and loving those and taking care of those that live next to us and that work with us, God. If there are people that are in need of of, of food or whatever that may be, God, help us. Help us in that way to love them well. But God, we know again that you're in control, and we thank you that we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, let's dive in, church. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you are uh, new with us today, or if you are online listening for the first time, we've got quite a few people doing that today. Uh, We are walking through the book of Ephesians. And we have walked through Ephesians chapter 1, through Ephesians chapter 2, and now we are going to finish Ephesians chapter 2, take a few weeks off for Easter, and then dive back into Ephesians chapter 3. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 17 through 22. Any parents in here? We got any parents in here, right? Whether your kids are all grown up and now you're remembering this, or maybe they're still little, one of the things that parents know in our home, especially for Jessica, is that it is hard for kiddos uh, sometimes for us to get away from kiddos. Anybody ever experienced that? You're just like, what are you doing? Give me some space, right? I'm never that way. I'm always like coming. That's not true, man. Just, you just need some space sometimes, right? Sometimes you sit down, right? And what do they do? They come and sit on top of you. You move. They come and sit on top of you again. You go to the bathroom, right? They bang on the door. They stick their little fingers in there. They try to peek underneath. It's like, what are you doing, right? And so you sit down sometimes, and you're just like, man, I just need some space. And so you put a pillow. I've done that. Anybody ever done that? You're just like, you stay right there. And then all of a sudden, our kids turn into President Reagan, and they're like, mommy, daddy, tear down that wall, right? And so they just kind of, they just here's a it's it's true right it's because your child knows that where you are is the best place the safest place for them to be that's where they belong right i know i just guilted every single one of us parents you're like okay come sit on my lap you still won't do that but that's the reality they know that that's the best place and the safest place to be when we think about how we were created, church, we, we say this a lot at our church, but it's, it's a great daily reminder. We were made to be with God. We were made to be with God. We were made to be his, to walk with him, to follow him, to obey him, to do life with him, to let his life pour into ours. We were made to be his and to be with him. That's how we were made. But then something called sin happened. Right? Sin caused, it's in your life, it's in my life, it's in every person's life that's ever walked the face of the earth except Jesus. And that sin caused the great divide. It caused this separation. It happened immediately with Adam and Eve, and it happened with each person that has since sinned. And so every single one of us, we've all sinned, we all find ourselves at one point in our lives far from God. And also because of sin, there is also this division amongst us as people, right? We have things like racism and culture superiority and ethnocentrism. We have divide, right? Last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. And today, we're going to look at part 2 of that sermon and just really pick up where we left off last week. Uh, But before we dive into those verses, all of these passages, all of these verses go together. And so to keep it in its context, we're going to recap pretty quick and just kind of catch us up to where we are. So here's what God's word has taught us and reminded us so far in Ephesians chapter 2. 
I think some of you guys are really glad that the you guys are farther back because I'm a preacher that spits a little bit and you got the corona thing going on. You're like, all right, we're going to have a shield up here, right? I just noticed that because I've spit on my paper here, right? But here, here's what God's word has taught us in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what it is, church. Because of sin, the Bible tells you and me that we are spiritually and eternally dead. Without Jesus, right? But because of Jesus, because of his great love for us, because of his rich mercy, if we trust in Jesus, then the Bible says that he makes us alive, right? It it took God to do that because we all know that nothing that is dead can revive themselves, right? I think we can all agree on that. There's nothing that is dead that can make themselves alive, and so that requires the power of God. And so through Jesus, we were once dead, but he makes us alive with him. And that's possible not because of anything you and I have done. I know we're pretty talented people. I know we're Americans. I know we've got everything going for us. But there's nothing that you and I could do to make us alive. We were spiritually dead. But because, again, of his rich mercy and his great love, we can be saved by grace through our faith in him. Jesus makes it possible. Amen? We were lost. We were without Christ. We were eternally and spiritually dead. And Jesus came to rescue us, to save us. And last week, Paul tells us to remember Right? We looked at that last week. When we remember, it changes the way we live. And so as we follow Jesus, Paul tells us, remember. If you are saved, it's important to remember. He says, remember this, where you were, how you were, and where you were headed before Christ. If you know Jesus, we need to remember where we were, who we were, and where we were headed before we met Jesus. And then we also want to remember that the Lord had rescued us from that. We deserved it, we earned it, but he rescued us from that. And then one of the things Paul does in verse 11 through 6 is, as he tells him to remember, he describes the condition between two groups of people. The, the condition between the Jewish people, the people of Israel, and really the Gentiles, which is the rest of the world, right? Two groups of people. You got one group that says, you know, they're, they're God's people, right? They're, they're known as God's people, the people of Israel. God made a covenant with his people. He promised to be their God and that their line would be his people. God promised that the Savior of the world would come through their line. But we know and praise God that the Savior wasn't just for them, right? It's for the whole world, right? And then you have the Gentiles, right? It seems like everything's going for the Jews. You got the Gentiles, you got everyone, everything else, everyone else. And the Gentiles, here's what they were doing. They were pursuing, they were praying to, they were worshiping false gods, they weren't following the one true God. They were without hope, the Bible tells us. And so there was these differences, all of those differences between these two groups. There were social divides. There were cultural divides. There was pride. There was hatred between the two. Guys, we need to understand, we can't, we can't minimize the divide here. We've seen rivalries and division in our world today. But the only way these two groups of people were coming together was through the power of God. And so what we were reminded of last week was that not only was there division between those two groups, but there was an even more important and more significant division, and that was between us and our creator. Remember, the one that we were made to be with, we were separated from him, and we were far from God because of our sins. But here's the great news. Here's the great news, church. Jesus loves you, right? Jesus loves us. 
And he went to the cross because of that love, and he bled, and he died on that cross. But as Scripture tells us, he rose again on the third day. And so now we can be brought near to God, no longer separated. And I think that's really good news, because a lot of times we feel distant from God, don't we? Right? But, but through the power of, of Christ, man, we are unified with God, and we don't have to worry about being separated from him ever again if we're saved. And we're also unified as God's people. We're unified as God's people. Verse 13 tells us this. But now in Christ Jesus, and I think it's important that we understand this, we have all these peace deals going on, we've got all these things where we're trying to, to work out peace and, and be solidified with people and come together, but this is what it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We can't, we can't bring that peace that Jesus does. Because of Jesus and the cross, we were far away from God, we were divided as people, and were brought near to him. We're no longer divided as people, but we're made to be one, right? And we saw in our verses from last week that the, the, the Bible says that the dividing wall of hostility was torn down and he established, Jesus established peace. So you've got one body, one church, all united in Christ. And so that's where we're going to pick up this week in verse 17. Uh, we don't have extra Bibles out there today just to be cautious, but they're all going to be up on the screen. Please feel free to use your phone. Just... Don't text me while we're doing that, you know. I know that's what you're thinking about, Sam. Just going to text Sam. But join me as we uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 through 22. Would you guys stand this morning as we honor God and read his word? Can we do that? God's word says this. He, Jesus, came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Church, let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, we're grateful that uh, we have the word of God that we can open up and hold in our hands and just read this love letter that you've given to us. God, we pray, Lord, that uh, for those that are here present, there are those that are present with us online, God, we pray, Lord, today that we would hear what you have for us. And as Levi said, it'd be your words. God, we pray, Lord, that we would hear from you and we would be changed, we'd be reminded, we would look more like Jesus than when we began to listen today. So God, we pray, Lord, today that you would make a change in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And so what we read in verse 17 and 18 is really a brief recap or summary of what we looked at last week and what we just recapped. Paul, Paul talks about the division between the people and that we're far from God. That's kind of the, the idea. But because of the blood of Jesus and because of the cross, we're brought near to God. Notice it doesn't say that we got on our bikes and rode to God or we jumped in our car or flew on a plane or we worked our way to God, right? We were brought. Someone, someone or something had to bring us and that was the blood of Jesus brought us near to God. And so we're also not divided as people, but we're made as one. And so Paul reiterates that in verse 17 through 18. Here's what he says in verse 17. He, Jesus, came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away. He's talking about the Gentiles, anyone that wasn't a Jew. You and me, right? So he proclaimed the good news of peace to, to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And he's talking about the Jewish people there. Jesus is known as the prince of what? The prince of Peace, right? He brings that peace to both groups. And in verse 18, for through him, through Jesus, we both, both groups have access to one spirit to the Father. 
Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one that shed his blood for you and me, he came as the Prince of Peace. And here's what he did. He made it possible to have a right relationship with God. He brought peace in that relationship and to have access to God. And God also made a way for both groups to draw near to him. In fact, when we are saved by Jesus, he's the one that does that bringing near to God, right? And God also made a way for both groups to draw together. We're going to emphasize that a lot today because that's what Paul is emphasizing today, to be in a relationship with one another, to be unified as one. And I'm going to tell you, man, we, we, we put a lot of hope in political leaders. We put a lot of hope in peace deals and all these types of things. Scripture's telling us, man, you want to see people come and be unified? They need Jesus, amen? And he's the one that brings us, brings us and draws us in together. And we can't miss this. We were separated and far from God. Now, hear this this morning online here in the church. If you don't know Jesus, you are separated and you are far from God. The Bible tells us that. We all were at one moment, but with Jesus Christ, he brings us near. And we're also sharply divided as people, and Jesus suffering and dying on the cross, he makes it possible for us to be united as his people. He makes it possible for you to be with him. Jesus makes it possible for you and me to, to be in that relationship that we were designed to be from the beginning. Levi, you were made to be with God, to walk with God. But we're, when we have sin, we're separated, and Jesus brings us back. Levi knows Jesus, I just want you guys to know, yeah. Right, he brings us back to the Lord. I'm in a rare mood today, man. Today's just a weird day, right? We were made to know God and walk with him and to be his, but sin, if there's sin in your life, that was broken. But we're brought back to God when we trust in Jesus. Church, I think sometimes we just have to say, wow, right? So undeserving, but such good news. I'll amen that one. That's good stuff, man, right? And when we look at the remaining verses in chapter two, we're gonna see really two or three main characteristics for those that are brought near to God as individuals and as a church. And so if you are saved today, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, these, these, these three characteristics need to be true of you. All right, well, they are true of you. But they should also be lived out by us daily. The first one comes from verse 19. Here's what it says. So then you, if you, did, if you were far from God and far from God's people, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. First characteristic is this. If you are saved, if you've trusted in Jesus, then you have a new identity. That's the first one. If you know Jesus, you have a new identity. It says you are foreigners and strangers, right? That is who you were, right? You're no longer separated from God's people. You're no longer outside the kingdom of God. You are now fellow citizens with the saints, now, this is important because of some of the teaching that is around in our world today, around in our culture here. The Bible teaches us what the true meaning of saint is, right? It's not reserved for those that die and someone says, hey, you were a really good dude, you were a super Christian, and so therefore you're a saint. You don't see that in the Bible. Why you see the word used in, as a, in, in the Bible to be a saint is you are a Christian. You're part of the family of God. You're part of the church. You are set apart for Christ. That's what that means. You're no longer a foreigner or a stranger. So let's think about this. Here in Arizona, we have driver's license, right? If you don't drive, you might have a state-issued ID, or if you travel, you might have a passport. Why are those important? They're your forms of identification, right? It shows that you belong in Arizona. It shows that you live here. You're part of this group of people. 
If you have a passport, probably not using it right now, but if you have a passport, that is a form of ID to show I am a citizen of the United States. I belong there. I live there. Those are my people. That is my home. That's our form of identification. I'm not a foreigner or a stranger there is what that means. I belong in the United States. The Gentiles, if they were to pull out their state ID card right prior to Jesus, it would not show that they belong to the kingdom of God. Right? They didn't belong to him. It didn't show that we belonged. It, didn't show, it showed that we were on the outside, that we were foreigners. But with Jesus, the Bible tells us that you have a new identity. You now have a citizenship in the kingdom of God. You belong to him and you belong to his people. And so when we think about the new identity, here's what that means for us. In Christ, I'm a new person. In Christ, I'm a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 shows us this. Listen to what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are saved today, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, the Bible says he is a new creation. I love this. The old has passed away and see the new has come. One translation says it this way. For if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. That's good news, church, right? Here's what that means. You are no longer who you used to be. We see in scripture, here's who we used to be. I'm going to say me, but no, it's you too. I was a sinner. I was lost. I was far from God. I was chained and a slave to my sins. I was an orphan spiritually. I was dead in my sins and trespasses. I was a follower of my flesh. I was a follower of the world and I was a follower of the devil. That was my identity. That was your identity. If you don't know Christ, that's your identity now. But in Christ, you are no longer these things. That is not who you are. If you are saved, you are now made new in Christ. Jesus talks about it in John 3 that you are born again. And I love this. With the life of Jesus flowing through you. To be born again, you have the life of Jesus flowing through you. And that's a really good reminder for all of us. But maybe you needed to hear that this morning. We live in a cruel world, don't we? Right? I was out there on the soccer field with my kids the other day. And you just hear some of the things they say to each other. You're this and you're this. Maybe others have told you who they think you are. You hang out on social media a little too long, you'll start to think really bad about yourself, won't you? That's why you're not on it, right? I'm just telling you guys. I mean, just like, man, others, maybe others are telling you this is who they think you are. Maybe you're listening to yourself. Maybe you're struggling with your worth or your value or your identity. And let's be real, the devil's real, amen? Right? Maybe, Maybe the devil has been speaking lies into your life this week about who you are and about your identity. Listen to what God says. God calls you a saint, He says, you're a saint. This means you are his. You're his. Man, it doesn't matter what the little kid on the soccer team says about you. It doesn't matter what someone on Facebook that doesn't, can't say it to your face says. It doesn't matter what the devil says. You are his. You were set apart for him. You belong to him. And guess what? When you're saved, he begins to work in you and through you. And I love this. We say this a lot. You aren't a better version of you. You are made new in Christ. You're not a better version. You are made new. Jesus came, listen to this church, Jesus came from heaven to rescue you and to give himself to you. And now his life is pouring into yours, right? And then so it can be lived out through yours. That's a whole new life. 
This is our new life. We are a new person in Christ, man. I'm going to tell you, I hope you online are, are hearing this this morning. You are a new person in Christ. If you don't know Jesus today, if anybody online is, does not know Jesus today, here's the reality. Jesus came to die for you, to make you new, so that his life could flow through you. So in Christ, we have a new identity. I like talking to the extra crowd over here. This is good stuff, man. But some of you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. I like it. In Christ, we have a new identity. And the, so the first part of that is in Christ, I'm a new person. The second part of that is the Bible says we're no longer strangers and foreigners. And we touched on that a bit, but here's number two. In Christ, I am a citizen of God's kingdom. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. Being a citizen of the United States offers a bit of stability and confidence, doesn't it? It just does. It offers a bit of stability and confidence in our day-to-day life and in our security. Think about this on a much, much grander scale. Being a citizen of God's kingdom gives us all the stability and security we will ever need. The moment we are saved by Jesus, you are immediately made new and you are immediately a citizen of God's kingdom. Church, this is a good reminder for us as we're walking through what we're walking through today. We don't belong in this world. There's an old song, I, don't, I, I can't remember how it goes, I'm just a passing through, right? I, I shouldn't have even said it because I don't know what the song is. But you know, like, like that's the reality. This is, we, our citizens, stop it Sam, our citizenship is not here. Like yes, we're American citizens, yes, we belong to Arizona, yes, we're in Tucson, but we belong to him and we belong with him. That's our citizenship. And guess what? If, if the Lord decides to take us home, whether through this virus or a car accident or anything else, we're going to spend eternity with him because we're part of the citizenship of God. Woo! Man, that's good stuff. And so in Christ, here's what you have. You are made new, and now you have a secure identity in Jesus Christ. You are his, and he is yours. Look at what Paul writes in verse 19. He told us we're his, right? We're made new, we're saints. And then he says this, members of God's household. So not only do you have a new identity, you're made new, but now you have a new community. You have a brand new community. We've seen this already over the last two chapters. In chapter 1, verse 5, I love this. We see that when we follow Christ and we are saved, the Bible tells us that we are adopted into the family of God. Jesus made you heirs of God. If you know Jesus today, you are an adopted child of God. And so that means if you're God's adopted son or daughter, then we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I love saying this. This means you're stuck with me. You're stuck with Levi. Stuck with Charles, man. I'm not going to pick on the ladies. They will beat me up. And so what does this new community look like? Here's the first one. In Christ, I'm a member of God's family. I'm a member of God's family. Paul says this, we are members of God's household. It's one thing for us to be citizens of a country or a kingdom. It's great to be a citizen of the United States. It's great to be back in the day, maybe, well, you still got royalty over in England. I don't know what they do, but they're there, right? So there's something, I'm not hating, I'm just saying I don't understand it, right? I'm going to get beat up, man. But, But here's the reality, there's something about being a citizen, but it's a whole other thing for us to be part of the royal family. Jesus is king of kings and lords of lords, and we are members of his household. We are members of God's household. You know what that means? It means you are members of his family. 
And what we see here in this passage is that the Jews and Gentiles, they were once divided. They were rivals. They were separated in every way possible. But God has brought those two together. And here's the reality. It wasn't just so they could be friends. It wasn't just so they could respect each other. It wasn't so they could just be Facebook friends or go to the same church. But to be one. To be united as a family. For you and me and all other followers of Jesus. Isn't that great to know we've got brothers and sisters in Christ in China and Australia and Korea. Are you with me, church? Man, they're all over the place. We have all sorts of differences. We have different backgrounds. We have different languages, different habits and cultures, economic status, political parties, countries, and beliefs. But here is what Jesus does. For anyone who believes in Jesus and calls on him to save them, he takes all of us and he unites us into one body into one group, into one family. Jesus made the way. I want to make sure we hear this today. In our world, there are a lot of people going a lot of different ways, following a lot of different gods and a lot of different things. There are a lot of people chasing, what's the saying, what's your truth, right? Let's pursue your truth, no absolute truth, living lives apart from God. Jesus says this, this is the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You're not a part of the family of God except through Jesus Christ. You're not going to be a a part of the citizenship of God. Are you with me, church? Man, we don't have any brothers or sisters in Christ except through Jesus. Back in verse 13, we see all of that happens. It it made a way. it it, it It is all made possible. I'll get my words right. Because of the mercy and love of God. That's the only way it's possible. Jesus came. He shed his blood on the cross for you and me. He died and he rose again. And because of that, all those degrees of separation can be set aside. All the walls of division can be knocked down. Church, let's just have a moment of reality here. Maybe we'd be a little kinder to one another if we loved each other as brothers and sisters when there's a tragedy or whenever there's a scary thing going on. Not try to take advantage of each other. I'm just telling you guys, I I don't care who's listening, man. Stop hoarding this junk, man. There are people around there that need it. Are you with me, church? Let's just lay that out there. Stop stop hoarding stuff that other people need. Love other people as God has called us to love. That's just a, a freebie, man. All right? But all those walls of division are knocked down. We don't just become friends. We don't just become buddies. We become one. We become one and we become a family. We follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Church, we don't have a choice. God is commanding us to look at one another in this light. We have to see and treat each other, right? Not just as someone that goes to our church. When you guys look at each other, it's not just someone that goes to your church. That's not just someone that's in your community. Because of the blood of Jesus, we need to see and treat one another, right? And love one another as brothers and sisters. Because this is what Jesus did with us. He made us family. This was bought by the blood of Jesus, right? And the world around us, they will know that we belong to Christ by our love for one another. How we love one another in his family came across, as I was studying this week, I came across a study guide that, uh, that gave this line. I, I, don't, I don't have a way to quote it, or it's, I don't know who came up with it, but it says this. You will never know the very best God has in store for your life apart from a relationship with him and his family. 
Church, it's so true. Sometimes for us, we just kind of stop at the whole God thing, which is good. I get that's the best part, to be in a relationship with God. I understand that, right? That's what we get excited about, right? We have a relationship with God that was restored. We're going to be with him for eternity. I get that. But God, because of the blood of Jesus, he took you and me and any other person that knows Jesus, and he brought us together to be his family. I fully agree with this statement. We will never know the very best that God has in store for us. You guys, we, we will not know the best that God has in store for us apart from a relationship with God and also apart from a relationship with one another. And how do we know that? We look all throughout the New Testament. You do not see a healthy follower of Jesus that is not connected to the local brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't. You don't see that. We don't see a healthy Christian that is not an active part of the local church and the family of God. You don't see it because it's God's design for us to be together. Throughout the New Testament, we see all sorts of reminders and commands over and over again by Jesus himself, by Paul, by Peter, by others, that we are to guard our relationship. Church, we have the language that we're to protect the relationship. That we're to pursue and stand firm and fight for our relationship. To keep the unity together. Think about what Satan does to destroy a life of a Christian. He destroys relationships. This one and this one. That's what he does. He attacks our relationship with God and he attacks our relationship with one another. You want to see Satan destroy a family? What's he going to do? He's going to attack this relationship and he's going to attack the relationship between a husband and wife. So you do whatever you can to fight for the unity of that marriage. Amen, church? Right? And so it's the same thing here. There's so much division within the church today and that ought not to be. Satan knows what he's doing. He studies us. He's ready to, to attack. Are you with me, church? To, 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 to go after this relationship, but also this. We've got to fight for this relationship. This isn't just a local church. This isn't just a group of people that believe the same way. This isn't just a bunch of people that wear a shirt that says Authentic Life Church. Right? This is a family. It's a family of God that God has put together. He brought it together with his blood for his glory. And guess what the Bible says? He says, fight for that. The Bible tells us to fight for that, just like you would stand up for your brother and sister in the flesh. The family was brought together by the blood of Jesus, here locally and worldwide. That's why us as a church, man, we love not just us here. 10% of our, our giving goes to international, goes to missions, whether it's in the United States or we want to be a part of what God's doing with our brothers and sisters throughout the globe. He's brought us together as one family with God as the Heavenly Father. When you look at families, when we think about our families, here are some of the things you see in healthy families. In healthy families. You see a deep love for one another. That's number one. Number two is you see a responsibility. We have roles to play in our families, don't we? Sometimes it's as a dad or a husband or a child or whatever. I mean, we all have roles. As we get older, there's a role that I play in my family right? My, my extended family. There's a role that I play. We each have roles that we play and the rest of the family needs you in that role. Amen? Right? They need you in that role. There's sacrifice in a family, right? There's many times we put things aside so that, so that our kids can have what they need or so that our wife, are you with me, church? We sacrifice for family. But guess what? In family, there's also drama. There's difficulties. Things happen that make doing life together hard. But when we love one another enough, we work through that to be unified, 
And that's the same for our family as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family brought together by the blood of Christ. We get to gather together on Sundays. We get to gather in life groups. We get to do life with each other throughout the week, all for the glory of God, because he brought that together by the blood of Jesus. That is his design. And so when we are saved, when we trust in Jesus and follow him, here's what we have. In Christ, we have a new community, and we're now members of God's family. And the last thing, I'm going to go through this just a little bit quicker. And by the way, uh, we're going to have this in life group material, and so if you want that, I can send that out to you, because I'm not going to be able to go into this last part as, as deep as I want to. But here's what we have in verse 20 through 22. It talks about we, together, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. This sums up this section a bit. In Christ, we are made new. We're citizens of his kingdom. We're part of his family. And in Christ, I'm a part of his body, the church. I'm a part of the church. And as his church, Paul tells us how we're built. Here's what he says. He says first that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We see something similar to that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You've got new believers. Jesus has resurrected, right? He's ascended into heaven. Peter preaches. Many people come to know Christ. And it says this, as the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see that? To fellowship, right? That's, that's unity. That's, that's partnership in the gospel. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, built on the foundations of the apostles uh, and, and prophets. Here's what it is. That's the word of God, church. That's what that is. It's talking about the word of God. The foundation of the apostles and prophets is speaking about what they were taught and told. It's the message of God that was given to them. They were focusing on the word of God. As a church, we are built on the foundation of the word of God. Here's what that means. We will stand or fall based on our faithfulness to God's word. We've got to stand firm on the word of God. Our aim at Authentic Life Church is to preach and teach and follow and live out the word of God as faithfully as we can by the grace of God. Amen? Man, God allows us to do that. He helps us and equips us to do that. But here's, 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 here's our heart, church. I don't care what happens in the culture. Our, our goal is to stay focused on this right here. Right? Because we will rise or we will fall based on this. So we're part of, part of his body, the church. Right? We're built on his word. And then it says we are built and we grow with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. I'm sorry i got to rush through this a little bit, but we, just, we have to do that. But it's an important reminder for us. Sometimes as churches, sometimes we think about, oh, this is happening in culture. Let's just jump on that. Let's just do this. We're not built off of the culture. Jesus is the cornerstone. There is only one cornerstone for the church, and it's Jesus. Here's what that means. He's the one that makes the whole building possible. He's the one that makes the whole church possible. And everything about the building, everything about the church is built off of him. He gives us the security to our church. He sets the alignment. Here's what that means for us. There is no church apart from Jesus. It cannot grow. It cannot stand. It cannot be secure without Jesus as the cornerstone. Jesus says, this is my church, right? And I'm going to build it. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. But that's with him as the cornerstone. Everything in our church is built off of him. We are to align our lives and our mission off of Jesus. And we are, here's what this is, we're brought together as his church. That's who we are. And so as his body, we remain faithful to the word of God. We understand that Jesus is this cornerstone. 
And verse 21, in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This would have been a huge statement for them to hear at that moment. For over 1,000 years, the Jews would have gone to a temple to be near the presence of God. The Gentiles weren't allowed. But the Jews knew that God had promised to dwell in the temple's inner sanctuary. It was limited to certain people at certain times. But that's where God's presence was. And then we come to verse 22 and it says, In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Here's what Paul is telling them. God's presence is not limited to a certain place or a certain group of people. God's presence is now in each and every person. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, if you know Jesus. Here's the reality. If you know Jesus today, the presence of God lives within you. Do you get that? If you've been saved by Jesus, God lives within you. He lives within his church, each of us individually and collectively. Each and every person that's been saved by Jesus as his church is is called to be used by Jesus and live for Jesus as his church. Here's the reality. Every single person counts. Every single person counts. God has called us individually. Each person in here, if you are a Christian, remember, we're not going to know the best that God has for us apart from him and apart from doing life together, right? God has called us to be a part of his body and he places you where he wants you in the body and he gifts you in certain ways. And so everyone's talents, everyone's time, everyone's love, everyone's resources, everyone's words, everyone's encouragement, their lives are needed. We're to live out our Christian life together as a family centered in Christ, rooted in his word, all for the glory of God. It's important to repeat this. We were united by Christ, by his blood. As the church, we get to be a part of his mission. Let me lay this out. I don't, I don't think it matters whether you think that there's predestination or people have more responsibility. Let's not get into that. What we do know is that we all have a responsibility to be used by God to tell other people about Jesus, to serve one another, to love one another. We can have that debate. That's fine. Let's, let's have that conversation. I think we can do that God-honoring. But here's the reality. As the church, we are called to share the gospel. There's no way around it. We're called to love our neighbors. And we're called to love one another. Amen, church? Right, there's no way around it. We're united by Christ, by his blood, and we get to be a part of his mission. Here's the truth, church. We were far off from God. We were divided as people, but by the blood of Jesus, we have been brought near to God, no longer separated from him. We're united as people, made to be one, to live as one kingdom, one family, one body, and one church. Kevin will put the notes up there on the screen if you guys need to write any of those down. But church, here's, here's the great news. If you know Jesus, you're no longer separated from God. And you're no longer separated as as people. We're all one. Let's live that way. Let's live like we belong to God. Let's live like we belong to one another. Let's pursue that and seek God as he leads his church, right? And know that when we are close to him and doing life and, and loving together as the family and as the church, we're where we need to be. We're where God has designed us to be. So going back to the very beginning where we have that, 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 the pillow wall or you go to the bathroom just to try to get away, God doesn't do any of that. We belong to him. We belong with him. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm not saying if you're religious, I'm not saying any of those things. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're still far from God. You're separated from God. You're separated from his people. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, he shed his blood and he rose again. He made it possible for us to have a new life in Christ. Let's pray.